Coming to you from the Flexbox Fantasy Federation's World Broadcasting Headquarters in Ottawa, this is The Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Nick the Man Penner, and I'm joined once again by my esteemed co-host, WizKid Jeremiah Johnson. How's it going, Jeremiah? It's good. It's good. We're going to have to change the name of the show to The Bi-Weekly Show. Uh, I think it might be more appropriate as the uh, the As Scheduling Permits show. Uh, that seems to be our, our MO this season, but... It's all good. Love talking fantasy baseball whenever we get the chance, and there sure is a lot to talk about. There is. I mean, I think Jamil's been on like one show all year. Yeah, it's a it's a real shame. We do miss him, but I think he's still pretty pretty hungover after the Raptors' victory. I don't think he's uh, quite ready to come back yet. It's always somewhere. Uh, well, in either case, I think we should just really get right into this episode, talking about everything that happened in week 11 and uh, what's going to happen in week 12. And we can just get right into this one, Jeremiah, because you and I were showing down uh, the second time this season, a big face-off. And I do actually believe I won this one. Uh, it was very close, came right down to the wire, but by a score of 236.5 to 231.6, uh, I took the win over you. So that moves me to 7-4. and four. Uh, drops you to nine and two, second loss of the season. Uh, how are you feeling after this one? Well, we were talking about this off the air, but I'm just too excited about the Raptors to care. And I mean, I started four guys, and they didn't even get me positive points. So what can you do? Uh, fair enough. I mean, you did have bad luck with your starters. I don't think anyone can deny that. Uh, it's nice to know that you can uh, pivot and refocus on the Raptors. I think this was still a a great matchup for me. I'm very happy to take the win here. Uh, it was close, but at the end of the day, I, I do feel like this is maybe a, a preview of things to come, perhaps. And, and it just shows that any team can really beat any other team any week. Uh, and that's what you got to watch out for come playoff time. Like, I'll just say, like, I mean, my pitching was horrible. I mean, my bats were performing basically how they always do. Um, and your bats were well as well. I mean, at the end of the day, it came down to pitchers pitch better than mine, right? I mean, I got, like, could go down the list, right? Like, negative 10 points from Brandon Brennan, which is great. Um, <laughs> so stuff like that just happens, I think. Um, but it's weird, yeah. Pitching is an area I'll need to. I mean, Jared Eikhoff did have a historically bad week for me, so that didn't do many any favors. Uh, CC Sabathia also uh, taking some lumps. But uh, overall, I mean, a couple of guys really showed up for me. Malik Smith doesn't know the, the meaning of the word quit, and He's just battling back after a horrible start to the season, so I'm happy to see that. And yeah, overall, I feel like my my bats have been solid uh, as of late. My lineup's doing well. My bullpen has been excellent. So uh, obviously, 236 is not sort of the the point total you want in a week, but when it gets the job done, it gets the job done. I mean, no arguments there. I think uh, hopefully we have a better better matchup if we meet in the playoffs. 230s kind of week. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, suboptimal all around, really. I, I really appreciate Javier Baez's negative point total for the week also. Yeah, that that happens. But, I mean, uh, it did come down to Sunday Night Baseball. Like, I I was definitely checking my phone there, seeing what was going to happen. You almost pulled it back. Uh, it, it Really exciting. I forget. Uh, there was one move I, I think I regretted. I, I don't remember. On Sunday. Oh, Joey Votto. If I put Joey Votto in, I would have uh, won. Ooh, killer. Uh, but... I, I mean, from sort of a strategic perspective, I think you losing to me is maybe not the most damaging loss you could take. And I mean, you're still 9-2. and two. You've still got a, a fairly clean lock on the division at this point. So I don't think you have too much to worry about coming out of this one. No, I mean, I am I just want to make the playoffs at this point. Like, I, 
if I lose four, I lose two. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, there's a, a bunch of other matchups that we can talk about from this past week. Lots of really exciting stuff. I think it's only fair, though, that we turn to the highest scoring team of the week with a very impressive 322.1 points. It's Ryan, who is uh, coming up big against Ali, uh, who only had 158.1 points. So uh, obviously not a, a great win there. That's not going to get him the second win of the season. So he's down to 1-10. Ryan now 7-4, and four, uh, looking pretty good in twice the division. What's your take on this matchup, Jeremiah? Um, like at its core, we have a really good team beating up on a really bad team. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, Ryan's kind of, uh, I haven't looked this past few weeks, so I don't know if he's on a roll or if he's bouncing back, but this is just kind of the performance that I expect from Ryan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Ryan has a, a solid team. He's done very well. Uh, and this week just exemplifies it. Like when his team is firing on cylind- on all cylinders, it's going to be very tough to beat, uh, Got some great starting pitching performances, really big point totals all around. So I think from his perspective, the only shame is he wasted it on a lesser opponent. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a theme, right? Like, I don't think you can ascertain anything out of the regular season so far. Like, literally a single thing. I, I think if you just took the eight teams that make the playoffs today, it'd be hard. To- mm-hmm. Yeah, there really aren't as strong favorites as there have been in other seasons. But I think with a performance like this, uh, this shows why Ryan is a team to watch out for. It justifies his high position in some of the power rankings. And ultimately, I think this is why you don't really look at the record as much because when a team has the potential of putting up this point total, it really doesn't matter what they did early in their season, you know? Yeah, like call me up in August if he's still doing this or for anyone. If anyone's putting up that kind of point total, I'd pick them to be the favorite going in, right? Yeah, and that's true. you got to get hot at the right time. This is definitely a, an early peak if it is a peak for Ryan. But, I mean, I don't think you can look at his lineup and say he's got a lot of holes or that he's got a lot of guys who massively overperformed. Like, this is this is pretty good for him. No, no, he's he's got a good team. One of the top five, I'd say, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other side, Ellie, obviously, uh, not as good a team rebuilding, uh, some interesting pieces though. I mean, Kevin Biggio, uh, has started getting hot ever since he, he came up, uh, and yeah, just a, a couple of guys that he could potentially flip. I really don't see a, a direction for his team right now. So, uh, maybe if he were to get more involved in the league, post uh, on Slack a little bit, we'd, uh, find out more about some of his, his plans. Is Ellie going to be in the league next year? Uh, that's always the question, isn't it? I feel like the answer is no. <laughs> I feel like that team's just cursed. It's a franchise that doesn't have the most storied history, let's put it that way. Well, any franchise with former Jathish players probably figures to go that way. Uh, moving on, we have an incredibly close matchup uh, decided by less than two points uh, because we got Jamil sh- uh, squaring off against Chow. Uh, and it was Chow who took the win with 255.5 points to 254.1. So close. Skin of your teeth, uh, 1.4 margin, but Jamil does lose, dropping him to 3-8. and eight. Chow with the win, 4-7. and seven. Uh, Real barn burner between two sort of lower-tier teams. I mean, Jeremiah, I don't know if you have a, a real input on this one or if you think one of these teams uh, maybe deserved the win a little more, but you got to say it's close. Yeah, I mean, Jamil's rebuilding, self-acknowledged, so... I don't think he cares about his record anymore. And Chow, I, I don't know what he's doing. Um, but a win's a win. So one point or a hundred, they'll count the same. And uh, 
I don't think either of these teams is making the playoffs, but I don't think that's news to anybody, right? Yeah, I mean, I really wish Jamil had been here to talk about this because I know he's in the, the midst of a declared rebuild right now. He's definitely moved some stuff around already this season. There's going to be more changes to come. So I don't think a, a loss like this is unexpected. But as Garth Newton pointed out, you really do want to be in that Europa if you want to have a, a chance of winning the draft lottery. So if Jamil can claw his way out of the vase into Europa, then he probably has a, a better chance of getting a higher draft pick. Uh, from Chav's point of view, obviously he's got uh, some talented players. He hasn't really made rebuilding moves lately, so uh, part of me wonders what his sort of plan is long-term because, uh, you know, any team that still has Mookie Betts isn't really rebuilding, but uh, it's a good win for him, and it obviously helps his record out a, a fair bit. I mean, I don't know the answer to this. It's more just rhetorical, but how good would Chow's team be if Jose Ramirez wasn't in the can all year? Yeah, that's that's a tough one for Chow. Um, I mean, throw on the fact that like Stanton's been hurt the whole year, and you just kind of wonder, like, like if I'm him, do I really think about tearing it all apart, or do I just go, I've had really bad luck, and I just need to stay the course with the guys I have? Mm-hmm. I mean, historically, Chow's management has been a little suspect, I think is the charitable way of putting it. So uh, when you look at results like this in the season he's had, it's easy to dismiss it and just say, oh, you know, it's Chow. He's just messing around. But uh, you're right. He's had a a considerable amount of bad luck. He's had a a lot of talent that has failed him. So uh, I think there is a case to be made for him bouncing back and bouncing back hard next year. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a strong chance. I mean, maybe not even next year. Like if he can get his guys back and Jose Ramirez can turn around, like it's not inconceivable for him to make the playoffs as a bottom seed. Right? Well, and if you think all the way back to last year, you had Ash who came into the Europe and nobody really thought too highly of him, but then he went on a, a great run and ended up winning the whole thing, which set him up well for the the future. Uh, it could be a situation like that here as well, where Chow comes into the Europa playoffs, gets hot, and suddenly it's a, a totally different ball game. Yeah, time's gonna tell. I I don't want to like jinx the guy, but I wouldn't be shocked if he goes, you know, through the Europa table or or back into playoffs or something like that. Like I, mm-hmm. I this very well. This one matchup could uh, be one we look back on in the future as uh, a turning point for the franchise. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of Ash, he also had a matchup this week, uh, taking on the Squirtle Squad. And uh, the Squirtle Squad made him work for it, but Ash did pull it out. He got 280.7 points to 270.7 for the Squirtle Squad. So a 10-point margin there. That moves Ash to 4-7. and seven. Uh, Squirtle Squad dropped to 6-5. and five. So, again, two sort of mid-tier teams. But, Jeremiah, what's your read on the situation? Um, my read is that seven starts would have made this matchup less close. And it's always good to get seven starts. Um my read for the Squirtle squad is kind of, I'm not really sure what to make of their team. Like they still have an above 500 record. Like, could they make the playoffs? I'm, I think really at this point, it's just a question of managerial intent. Uh, like Cam and Jathish are still very much in the mode of trying to add hot players, flip them, uh, get something from them and move forward. And uh, you know, their, their quest to acquire every single draft pick in the league is was still well underway. So uh, I think they'll probably want to stick to that, but you're right. They could make a serious run at the playoffs if they just tweak the strategy a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they could. Um, I don't know if they really have it in them in the end, and I, I don't know what their intentions are. Um, as for Ash, like I, I know I'm on the Ash bandwagon here, but you got to get seven starts, don't you? 
be serious about winning. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was uh, something Ash missed out on, but you can't deny the success he's had with, with the players he has. And, I mean, he's just assembled some great bats at this point. Devers, Merrifield, uh, you know, even Howie Kendrick going off. So uh, getting 151.7 points from his bats, that's something that is is terrific for Ash. And uh, like I said, records can be deceiving sometimes. Ash is 4-7 and seven right now. Uh, there is very much a, a scenario where he doesn't lose again or loses once and manages to make the playoffs yet. So anyone who wants to ca- count Ash out or say this, you know, this win is too little, too late, and he hasn't done enough to win against good teams, I mean, I think you're you're maybe setting yourself up for a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I'm not I'm not going to say he's he's out of it. Like we still have 45 percent of the season to go um, in terms of the regular season, so we'll see. Um, but he's going to need to run the table, and I I don't know. Like, I don't have a lot of faith in managerial skills here. Like, I, I question them. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Well, and like we said a couple of weeks ago, Ash seems to be pretty committed in the idea of competing now and not going through another sort of rebuild process. And I don't know if anything that's happened as of late has changed his mind on that. But if he is serious about competing, I mean, it could be a, a similar situation for uh, to like the Columbus Blue Jackets at the NHL trade deadline, where even though they were sort of a 500 team, uh, they really loaded up on talent, and that got them into the postseason. So uh, maybe that's what Ash is looking to do here as well. Yeah, I mean, if he can do it, more power to him, I guess. Uh, so another team that put up a, a real gouty point total in Week 11 was none other than the Illuminati. Uh, Mike Kaminsky led the team uh, to a very impressive 311.3 points. RKR could only put up 186.4 points, uh, so he takes the loss. The Illuminati now 7-4. and four. Uh Bash Brothers two and nine, so uh, that's where they stand at this point in the season. Man, I mean, Kaminsky's just been all over the place. But Jeremiah, where do you peg him right now? How good is his team? <clears throat> um, one of the best, I think, and I think it's really interesting. Like, say the last time we recorded the show, or even three, four weeks ago, like we were just talking about how Mike was done and not trying, and what's going on with this team. And boy, he's really, uh, <laughs> he's really put those concerns to rest. I guess, eh? I mean, I wouldn't say he's put them all the way to rest because there's a real gulf between being a, a pretty good team and a great team. And he obviously had a good week this week, over 300 points, terrific, but I don't think he can count on Marte to get him 45 points every week. Uh, I don't know if he can count on his pitching to, to put up 186 points overall. Uh, he had some good starts, but, I mean, as we all know, those can be fickle. So I think that Kaminsky is... Still in a good position. Wins like this help him a lot, but uh, I'd really still like to see more. I'm still not convinced that he's the best team in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's the best, but like 311 points, we were just singing Ryan's praises for 11 points more than that with identical records. So, um, sure, like if you want to see more, that's fine. Um, but I, I I don't know. Like It seems like he's trying. It seems like he's hitting his peak here. Like this is these are all good things, and I think he deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as the best teams. I mean, I think that trying might be a a relative term here. Like obviously he's setting his lineup. He got ten starts this week, which is a, a good sign for any manager. But at the end of the day, I really don't know if he still has the hunger that he did last season. If he's had in previous years. Uh, compared to a guy like Ryan, who's really chasing the the ring that's eluded him for so long now. So I think in sort of a, a heart perspective, he maybe doesn't have the edge that some other managers do. I mean, if I had a ring, I 
would probably feel the same way. So I understand. That's fair. But I mean, yeah, uh, still a lot of talent on the team. Don't get me wrong. And uh, he's a, a team that by all accounts should make the playoffs easily and uh, could even possibly set up a very exciting flex Mike showdown in the finals, which we would all love to see. Uh, so it, it, there's a, a lot to look forward to for him this season yet. Let's, let's talk about flex since we just can't help it. Sure. Let's get a, let's get right there into flex. Uh, he had a matchup this week as well, uh, taking on Garth Newton and, Flex was victorious, uh, 297.8 to 206.1 for Garth Newton. Flex 9 and 2, Garth Newton 3 and 8. Uh, so it's uh, another win for Flex. What do you want to say about him, Jeremiah? I would just like to point out that for all his uh, bluster there, um, Flex is what? 3, 6, 8th in points for. Um, and he also is running one of the lowest points against totals in the league flex is not going to make the finals come on like this flex versus mike thing has to stop it's not going to happen it's it's insane flex has been propped up by beating bad teams with low point totals nothing he's done inspires confidence in me that he is going to do well i mean sometimes it is better to be lucky than good he's had some favorable matchups this season he's been able to take on some sub 200 teams and beat them fairly regularly which works uh so that is one side of the the argument is your perspective jeremiah where he's going to fall apart that that he is some might even say a paper tiger but uh on the other hand you could see it as when his team wakes up he's got a much better position for them than he would have uh, in sort of other situations. Now, this is just an interesting stat, but the top uh, top teams above Flex in the points against standings in order are Chris, Richard, Ian, myself, and Chow. So I think you can you can say out of these teams, you have three teams that are two teams at least that are really good, Richard and myself. You have teams that kind of fall in the middle like Ian, and then teams like Chris and Chow that you're kind of like, eh. The difference between this is that the teams that are good, Richard and myself, have at least 125 to, in some cases, 400 points more than Flex. So I think it's fine to, to say, you know, he's a, you know he's been getting lucky and whatever, and we'll see what happens. But like if you take this half a season sample size, his team is not that good. And if he's going to try to beat a, one of these better teams in the playoffs, I just don't see it happening with the point totals that he puts up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my real question for Flex is what he's going to do with his pitching. Because right now his pitching is his Achilles heel. It's really not that great. Uh, He's had a lot of problems this year. He's got guys who have been injured, guys who have underperformed. But, I mean, you have to have at least some level of of stud pitching, uh, some level of guys who are able to go out there week after week, put up 20-point performances. And Flex really is missing that from his team right now. So, uh, I don't know if that's something he targets. I don't know if he's going to just try and roll with what he's got, but uh, his rotation as it stands is not going to cut it. And you're right. There are uh, a lot of worse teams that have put up more points than him this season, which is not a good look. I mean, I'm going to cut him some slack on the pitching because when you have like Carrasco and Severino and even Domingo Herman on the DL, like you're you have a rough time. But my question for him is when are you going to stop employing Hunter Pence Harold Ramirez, Harold Ramirez can't even talk, and Garrett Cooper in your lineup on a daily basis. Now, 
I'll grant him he has AJ Pollock on the DL, so that takes one of those guys out. But two of or of those three are in his lineup on a daily basis, even with his full health lineup. So what's he going to do about that? So that one. I mean, you can say what you will about those guys, but you can't deny they all put up points last week. I mean, they were all easily in double digits. So uh, if our guys are hot, I mean, I don't blame Flex for rolling with them. Sure, but do you want to? Do you want that? on your team in playoff time, would you? I wouldn't. I'd rather go with the trusted and true uh, 99% ownership guys who are stars than ride a Hunter Pence hot bat and hope it works out. See, I would disagree with that. I think the idea that you can just look at a guy's own percentage and be like good or bad uh, is pretty ridiculous. And I mean, in a 20-team league, you really have to be a lot more of a, an active manager than that. And uh, Flex has, has sort of earned that over the years. He's had a, an ability to pick up guys right as they're sort of breaking out. And, uh, you know, maybe Hunter Pence cools off and then gets replaced. But uh, I think Flex probably has a, an ability to make those calls uh, that uh, shouldn't really be an issue for him. I don't think he's going to tie himself to these guys long term. I mean, that's fair. But there's a reason they're not owned. And it's because they're not good over a long period of time, which tells you that more likely than not, they're going to be bad. So if you, sure, like if you want a hot streak and you want to tie your team to that, that's fine. But don't be surprised if you win one matchup in the playoffs and then get smoked the next week because they're not good. I mean, the expression isn't buy high, sell low. You got to be able to pick up these guys while they're at their lowest value. They're undervalued by the world at wide and be able to ride that. I mean, you don't make money by putting all your money into Apple stocks. You make it by buying one Bitcoin, forgetting about it for 12 years, and then suddenly waking up as a millionaire. Yeah, and that's all fair. But this league is also stagnant. Like Teams aren't rushing out to make deals like they used to. Everybody's conservative. Like You're not going to flip Hunter Pence for anything of value. And you're sure as heck not flipping Garrett Cooper and Harold Ramirez for anything either. Because teams won't even cop up a draft pick these days in in deals. Like the deals we're seeing now are so small that you're not gonna get I'm yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily always about flipping the guys versus just utilizing them while you can, but uh you're right, the trade market is not really favorable to anyone right now and it's been a long waiting game. I've I feel like I say every week that it's about to open up, but I really do think that something has to change soon because there are too many owners going too many different directions for there not to be more big deals going down. Now, I, I don't know this, but the trade deadline, I think, is like early July. So I would expect something to happen a couple days before, and that's it. I, I don't think it's going to be like past years where teams are going weeks before the deadline. I think it's going to be a mad rush at the end, and that'll be it. Uh, but sometimes all it takes is one blockbuster, and then the floodgates open up, so... I think uh, for those of us in the the trading community, you should keep your eyes on that and just sort of see where the winds are shifting as we get closer to the trade deadline. Fair enough. Uh, We still have a couple more matchups, though, from Week 11 that we should talk about before we we move on. Uh, We got Ian Stads, I guess, Staddleman, and the Staddlemont Stars uh, taking on Jeffrey Lim. Hello, Darkness, my old friend. Uh, The Staddlemont Stars did win this one, 223.8 to 125.5. So Lim is now three and eight, while Stads is six and five above five hundred. How are you feeling about his team nowadays, Jeremiah? The same as I did three weeks ago. Like he's very lucky to win here, not because the matchup was close, but because a lot of matchups that score is just not going to cut it. Um, and it's kind of the same problem as Flex, right? So is his team going to be more consistent? Is it going to be better? Like six and five is 
you got yourself in a conversation for a playoff spot, I guess, or in the hunt, you kept yourself in it. But uh, second half, he's going to have to be a lot better, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely in the conversation uh, with a record of six and five. That's no doubt. But uh, I think Ian is still better off uh, treating his team as if it's sort of two years away because uh, it's still a, a bit of a project. And he does have some good assets, some very flippable assets that uh, he could move and trade. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the more active teams leading up to the deadline and tries to get some assets that he can use heading into 2020. Yeah, I was just about to say, Ian's like the poster child for a team that just seems like it doesn't know what it's doing. Um, it's got some players that are good long-term. It's got some players that it should sell off, but it hasn't yet. I, I don't know what Ian's going to do. If he's 7-5 and five or 7-6 and six in two or three weeks, like what's he going to do? The trade deadline's up. I, I, I don't know. Well, and I think the other consider for Ian is that, I mean, playing in the redacted division is not one of the more favorable divisions out there. Uh, He's still looking up at both Flex and Kaminsky. So the idea of him passing one or both of those teams seems pretty pretty unlikely right now. So just from that point of view, I think he might want to set his sights a little lower, aim for a good Europa performance that puts him in a a better position to get the number one overall draft pick again. and really go from there and look towards the future. I mean, maybe this is bold, but I don't think Ian's gonna like when he does make the playoffs. It's gonna be as a wild card. I don't think he's ever gonna in the next three years. I don't think he's gonna beat Mike or Flex to the to the playoff punch. I I just don't. Uh, three years is a long time. You never know what's gonna happen. I'm sure people would have been saying the same thing uh, about. A lot of other teams three years ago. Yeah, I mean, you know what? We'll have to mark this down in the history books. As a... Well, we'll circle back in one of our 2022 episodes. A uh, couple more matchups to pick up. We've got uh, Garth McInnes, Stubby Clap Clappers, taking on Aiden. Uh, Kiki, do you love me? Uh, and Aiden was victorious in a bit of a low scorer. 205.7 for Aiden, 166.2 for Garth M., uh, Aiden seven and four, Garth M two and nine. So two teams sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum again. What are you thinking, Jeremiah? Uh, Aiden is another team of like I just don't know what to make of it. Like his season's just been really weird. Like he puts up point totals like this and gets cheap wins, so his record's good, but his team overall doesn't doesn't seem playoff caliber. But like. I think he makes the playoffs. I, I really do. I think, like, just based off the weird season, the records people are having, like, I think he can easily sneak in there. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't disagree. Like you said, Aiden's season has been one of real highs and lows. He came up at the start of the year with some big point totals, really woke everyone up, uh, then sort of fell off. Uh, and, a, you know, a 205 point total is not going to really set off alarm bells for other teams, but I will say it's much better to be on the winning end of a low scoring matchup than a losing one. So, at the end of the day, props for getting the job done. But Aiden really sort of does have to recapture that spirit he had earlier in the year uh, and find a way to, you know, get more things going for his team, uh, get more points overall. And uh, if he, you know, if he sticks in this point total range, he's going to have a tough time making the playoffs, I'm afraid. Well, he had the lowest point total of anybody who won a matchup. And I understand he's in twice the division. So, you know, that's... uh one of the more favorable divisions to be in. Um, but him and Ryan have the same record, and, and I would take Ryan every day of the week. And I think even if Aiden gets in, like he is going to get demolished in the first round. 
he's just got first-round exit written all over him, and I don't know if he's going to do anything about it because Aiden's one of the less active owners on Slack. So this is, again, one of those teams where it's like, the trade deadline's in a few weeks. Are you going to do anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, since you mentioned that right now there are five teams who are seven and four. You got Ben, me, uh, Mike Kaminsky, the Illuminati, Ryan, and Aiden. And I think it's fair to say that of those five, Aiden is probably the weakest, uh, at least today. Maybe, you know, early in the season, he would have been a more intimidating foe. But right now, I just don't see him as being quite a, in the same breath as those other four teams. Well, I mean, I'll rank them right now. And I would go Ryan, Mike, yourself, Ben, and then Aiden. Interesting. That's how I would, that's how I would do it. But would you agree that there's a, a big fall off there between four and five? No, I would. I, so I think one and two are are in a tier slightly above three and four, and then there's a big gap to five. Yeah, and I, I mean, I thought about putting you ahead of Kaminsky. I'm just not ready to do it. Probably the pedigree of Mike and knowing that his team just seems to have that little bit of a higher ceiling. But um, yeah, I mean, Aiden's definitely last for me, and it's not close. Uh, I mean, fair enough. Uh, and if you, I mean, sort of look at those tier of teams – You've got three, maybe four of those five making the playoffs. Not all those seven and four teams are going to make it in as it stands. So uh, you don't want to be the worst team in that group. And so I think Aiden does have the record. He does. Uh, seven and four is obviously not bad. It's better than being worse than that. But uh, he's got to keep winning. And he's got to ideally step the, the team up a little bit to get those wins. Well, we haven't talked about it, but hilariously, Chris is eight and three. Um, so Right now, definitely all five won't make it. And then you have a couple six and five teams that are knocking on the door too. So, uh, Well, let's talk about that eight and three Chris right now because he did pick up the, the three part of that this week because he was taking on Tillo in a big, big showdown in the Jeffrey Jungle. Uh, and Tillo came out on top 261.2 to 146.3 for Chris. So not a great week for him. Uh, Tillo 10 and one. So he's got a, a solid lead in the division again. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think you can go ahead, Jeremiah, if you want to sound off on Chris. I mean, just not a great week for him. I mean, welcome to the big leagues, kid, right? Like, this is <laughs> when you get close to the top, this is the kind of beatdowns you're going to take if you're not for real, right? And, um, I mean, it hurts to say it, but Tillo's the top team in the league right now, right? For the first time since I've been in the league. So good for him. Tillo's legit, and I have nothing but respect for the man. And I think you got to include him in the championship title favorites picture. Uh, but for Chris, like, I'm not going to be surprised if he goes on a run of like five losses here. Really won't. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things to unpack there. I do have a more respect for Tillo. I think he's got a a good team. Definitely one of the the top tier in the league right now. I don't know if I would put him. At the top, I'm still not convinced that top to bottom, he's got the talent that other teams do. And uh, he's been a little bit fortunate. Uh, you talk about Flex's fortunate scheduling. Uh, Tillo also has had a fair amount of good luck this season to get to 10-1. and 1, So I don't think you can pencil him into the, the championship quite yet. But uh, like you said, I think this is a, a clear case of Chris exposing a matchup. I don't know if this is a, a trend that will continue. I think probably it will because, frankly, he is just – not that great, so he's going to have some holding on to do if he wants to make the playoffs because uh, the past couple of weeks have been a, a little bit of a downward trend for him. So unless he's starting to, to put up more uh, high 200-point totals uh, like he has before, 
I mean, he's going to take up a bunch of losses quick. Yeah, like, I mean, he employs David Bodie and, and Garcia. Like, there's a whole list of guys on this team where you're just like, there's no way this continues. Like, his offense is basically made up of, like, Tommy LaStella breaking out this year, Freddie Freeman, and Edwin Encarnacion. And his pitching is just, I don't understand how it's even gotten this far. Um, but he's riding Kenta Maeda and John Gray, I guess, and Kyle Hendricks, and, and that's pretty much it. So I don't see him winning more than 10, 11 ma- matchups this year, which means he's going to lose a whole bunch the rest of the season. And, I mean, I guess there is something to be said for the idea that even if he just goes 500 the west rest of the way, he's probably making the playoffs. Uh, but even still, I mean, that's just... If he makes the playoffs, there's very little chance of him actually being able to do anything. This is not a team that's going to put up a big week and knock off a top guy. He hasn't topped 300 points once all season. So uh, I think Chris Kennedy really does not have the team that he might think he does. I mean, I hope he makes the playoffs, and I hope I face him in the first round so I can have a bye week. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, one more week 11 matchup to talk about, and it does concern another one of those seven and four teams we mentioned about because we've got Ben, the Star Boys, taking on Luke, uh, and it was Ben who won this one. Also a pretty close matchup, 299.8 to 287.5 for Luke. Uh, so like we said, Ben now seven and four, Luke five and six, dropping a little bit below 500, disappointing for him. But what do you think about these two teams? Well, Luke's done. I'll just... I'll just put it out there right now. He's he's done playoff wise. It's uh, it's not happened. It's not his year. Uh, thank you for your trying, but Europa bound he is. Um, ben Ben's been really good, and I hate it because why is our division so competitive? Why do you all have to be so good? I don't like this, but he's been good. Three hundred points, seven and four. He's on the up and up. Yeah, I mean, I we can sit here and toot our own horn, but the fact is, this is just a, a historically good year for the the evil division of evil. And Luke has probably done so, like you said, but I mean, the fact that he's the fourth team in our division right now, when in pretty much any other division, he would be at least competitive for the second slot, if not a, a potential division leader. I mean, that's tough for him. So that's uh, some bad luck there, but I think he's got the potential to come back stronger than ever next year. Uh, and like you said, Ben has a, a good team. He's obviously made some rookie mistakes as an owner. There are, there are some moves I'm sure he'd like to take back. Uh, Jonathan VR has not been the bounce back star that I think he might have hoped, but he's got a lot of talent on his roster. He's got some guys who can really play week in and week out, and he just needs to keep doing his thing, and he's probably going to make the playoffs and has the potential to make a little noise even. Yeah, like... <sighs> I would say Ben is probably one of those teams you don't want to face in the first round. Like of the four teams, the four lower seeded teams that will make the playoffs. <coughs> excuse me, Ben will be one of the teams that division winners do not want to face. He's one of only three teams that have three thousand points so far, and he probably could even have a better record if he didn't have twenty seven hundred points put up against him. So, I think he legitimately has a good team. Anytime you employ like a Christian Yelich who has the potential to just be ridiculous for a week you're gonna have a chance to win Mm -hmm. uh that's all true and i mean even if you look at the guys on his team who have struggled struggled like uh patrick corbin like patrick corbin is a good player and assuming his current funk is not some sort of long-term career downturn like he's gonna be better in august than he is today uh, and there are a couple of guys like that you can say. So uh, 
this term sneaky good gets thrown out, uh, around a bit too much for my liking, but I think Ben is one of those teams. And every year, you, it's like you say, we see some division winners lose in the first round. Some guys who should have been better get a, an early exit. And so I think Ben is a, definitely a team that could cause that. So not to harp on one player here, but um, okay. So first off, full disclosure, Ben fleeced me. Patrick Corbin and Marcelo Zuna for Syndergaard and Votto. And Votto's been horrible. He didn't rebound like I thought he would. And Syndergaard's made of glass. But Patrick Corbin probably is having a career downturn. And I say that only because he had a breakout because of the slider. And he the slider's basically been figured out by the league. So he's had to throw it less because people are swinging at it less. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is just how Patrick Corbin is. But... Ben seems still really good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he set a hard bar for himself last year, uh, Corbin did, and so I don't think anyone's realistically expecting him to return to quite that form, but I think it's a little early to write him off uh, completely. I think he can definitely get some more uh, positive performances this season, and, uh, you know, Washington has, has come to life a little bit as of late, so if he's got a, a good offense backing him, uh, I think there's potential for him to do better, and uh, like I said, there are a couple of guys who you can look at right now and say, mm, maybe they're not the best, but uh, on Ben's roster, if they turn things on in the second half, then it's going to be a completely different ballgame for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's going to do it for us, bringing us to the midpoint of the episode. Jeremiah, anything you want to talk about here? No, we're already 40 minutes deep. This is not the midpoint. That was a lie. This is like the two-thirds point. I mean, fair enough. Uh, we've got a, a lot to say. We said all we wanted to in the, the first half, so we might as well just jump into week 12 and what it, week it is. We got a bunch of good matchups here that we can talk about much better than last week, but I think the matchup of the week, in all fairness, has to be Tillo taking on Ryan. Uh, right side, I mean, two division leaders, two of the top teams in the league. Uh, it's just the kind of matchup you love to watch. And Right now, Tillo does have that lead, 56.4 points to 48.7 as of Tuesday night when we're recording. So, Jeremiah, who do you think is going to win? So, so I actually thought you were going to go with your own matchup because that one's also very good. Um, But this one is extra good because there's going to be mad beef on Slack. Like, Ryan's gone MIA, but come the end of the week, there's going to be some mad shit talking going on. Um, Anyway, I take Ryan. Ryan has a higher ceiling in terms of point totals, in my opinion. Tillo's more consistent, but I think if Ryan puts up another week like he did last week, Tillo won't be able to match that. I mean, I do recognize that in the, the first half I did diss Tillo a little bit and praise Ryan, but uh, I'm going to take Tillo here. I think his team probably has the edge in this matchup, just the way things are, are lining up right now. And that track is a real game changer. And like, say what you will, you, a lot of people write a lot of diss tracks about a lot of other people, but... Tillo does have some legit talent on his side, and uh, that was another catchy one. A lot of a lot of lines that really got me good from him. So uh, I think solely on the strength of that diss track, Tillo's going to take this matchup. I mean, everyone forgets the diss track I dropped last year. And they're really doing you a favor by forgetting. Oh, it was good. I don't know why you trashed it like that. I mean, it was so good. It was no Tillo. I think Tillo even said it was good. Pretty sure he was like that shit's Tillo says, fucking fire. Tillo says a lot sure. of things. Tillo says. Yeah, and apparently they're all legit, so... Anyway, um, this track aside, because I haven't listened to it. I think I need to. Probably missing out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to take Ryan, because silence speaks volumes. And that's true. Uh, when you win, say lo- nothing. When you lose, say less. But 
clearly we need to have a rap battle uh, cottage weekend so looking forward to that but, uh, yeah in either case no matter who wins this one I think this is going to be a really good matchup to watch and uh, hopefully it's going to give us some something to talk about on the next episode of the pod you teased it already, so I guess I can just jump right into it. Uh, I have a matchup this week that I've been looking forward to for uh, a little while now uh, because I am taking on Mike Kaminsky and the Illuminati uh, in uh, a of two of the 7-4 and four teams, two of the better 7-4 and four teams. So uh, right now I do have that lead, though, 74.2 points to 59.1 for Kaminsky. So, uh, Jeremiah, I'll let you go first on this one. What do you think? Well, I'm just giving this matchup a quick glance, as I always do, because I like to cheat. But I am going to take you. I'm going to take you because Kaminsky has burned through a Justin Verlander start, which was just meh. Um, and you know what? I I think you're hot right now. I mean, yeah, you're running through Cole Hamels and Jacob DeGrom. So it's going to be really interesting come Sunday to see what happens when Hamels, DeGrom, Kikuchi go up against uh, Verlander and Kershaw. But I'm just... Just feeling you this week. I don't really have a reason other than uh, you're currently winning, and uh, I just have more faith. And I mean, uh, I appreciate that faith. Hopefully, I can reward it. I think you are right uh, in the sense that I did have uh, a good lineup of starts this week. I got a couple of good two start guys, so I should probably get to eight, nine, or ten starts, which increased my chance of winning. Kaminsky has a good team. He's a, a tough out any week, and so. It does seem like he's he's turned it on as of late. He's uh, put the effort into getting his team in a good position, but I always bet on myself, and I'm not going to stop now. I think I've got uh, another win, hopefully, here. Yeah, I mean, if you don't bet on yourself, then... Who can you bet on? Uh, speaking of an owner who maybe should bet on himself more, or at least put in more of an effort, we've got Ellie taking on Jeffrey Lim. Uh, this is probably Ellie's best chance for a, a second win. Uh, so I would really like to see that happen. Uh, and he does have the lead right now, 47.11.3 for our friend Lim. Uh, do you think that Ellie's going to be able to pull this one out? Let's not waste a bunch of oxygen on this matchup. Ellie's going to win. I, I I just think I just think he's got it. You know, He's got a huge lead. Two teams are awful. And it would just be a story of the year for Ellie to get a second win. Yeah, I would really like to see this be the year where no team has fewer than two wins and no team has fewer than two losses so i think that can uh, realistically happen in this one and uh you know sorry to say lim but you're a, a guy that it's uh sometimes not the most difficult to get wins off of so uh i'm also going to take ellie here i mean based on lim's record he frequently is not someone who's hard to beat and you shouldn't apologize true he's uh he's sort of a permanent rebuilding team i think uh now, uh, flipping over to a guy who had a real emotional win uh, last week that he's trying to build off of, we've got Chow taking on the Squirtle Squad. Uh, Chow has the early lead in this matchup, 42.4 points to 21.5 for the Squirtle Squad. Uh, do you think the Squirts are going to come back in this one? Uh, are they going to be able to make a run this week? I don't think they have enough water left in their Super Soakers to, uh, to take this one down. I, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. You potentially have two teams who both don't want to win. You could question both their integrities, and that's really interesting. But I I think Chow's team is better in, all, in almost every way. He has the best players, best offense, maybe not better pitching, but it's not going to matter. Yeah, uh, 
I think you're probably right. Squirrel Squad did have a, a good point total last week. It would be interesting to see that duplicate them here uh, instead of sort of the low 200s totals they've been putting up earlier this season. But, uh, you know, you say that both these teams maybe don't want to win, but I would not be surprised to see uh, Chow thinking about making a, a charge and, and doing a big comeback. So I think I'm going to take him here as well. If he can get within spitting distance of 500, then the post-All-Star uh, time frame has more minutes. I'd like to see that happen, so I'm going to take Chow to win. Fair enough. Uh, now, two teams that, uh, I mean, I'm not even sure how to describe them. It's Chris and Aiden uh, squaring off here. Chris, Aiden, three, Aiden, seven, and four. So there is a lot of stake between these teams, but Aiden has the lead at this point, 56.9, 53.9 for Chris. Uh, could this be a, another unfortunate loss for Chris? Yeah, I <laughs> I, I don't love either of these teams, but I, I'm going to go with Aiden just because I think Chris is like a paperclip and it's just going to fall over. His team is horrible. He's not going to crest 200 points. Aiden frequently crests 200 points, if only by a little bit. So to me, Aiden's a clear-cut choice here. I think I'm actually going to take Chris on this one. Uh, it seems like a very close matchup in my time, in my mind. These are very similar teams. They both have had some good, fair bit of bad this season and uh, are maybe out-kicking their coverage a little bit in terms of record. But I think of the two, Chris uh, could really use a backup win. And uh, he, yeah, he's had some success this season putting up high 200s on a consistent basis. So uh, unless this is part of a more serious downturn, which it could be, uh, I think that Chris might just have the legs to get out of this matchup. This man shit talks Chris his time last week, and now he's supporting him. What is this? Be consistent. Chris is bad. Listen, I don't care for him. I don't care for his team, but even a, a broken clock wins a matchup or two sometimes. Nobody cares for Chris. Not even his own parents. That's why he's adopted. Is Chris actually adopted? Yeah. Cool. Uh, another matchup that's happening uh, is Ian Stads against Staddleman taking on Luke. Uh, he Ian opening up a, a big lead here, 77.1 points to 21.2 for Luke. Uh, Who do you have in this matchup? I'm going to remain consistent and not adopt a new stance. Luke is not making the playoffs, so he cannot win this and Ian's got a huge lead. I mean, it's just too big for Luke to overcome. I know it's Tuesday, but 50 points is a lot. And Ian's going to go 7-5. Yeah, I think that realistically, uh, Stads can win this matchup. Uh, I think this is a, a matchup that's pretty favorable for him and one that he really needs to win if he's going to have a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, it's pretty early to talk about must-win weeks, but this is this is pretty adjacent to it, so... Uh, I think Stads is going to be able to see out this lead. Uh, he's built a good head start, and that always helps. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, that'll that'll be another lock uh, knock against Luke. But uh, from Stads' perspective, this is really what he needs at this point in time. So I'm going to give him the win here. Nick actually only gives wins to people because he thinks they need them. It's a real merit-based uh, activity, right? Yeah. 100%. Uh, so speaking of playoff caliber teams slugging it out, we've got Flex and Ben squaring off in a, a big showdown here. Uh, the guy who maybe gets too much credit versus the guy who gets too little credit. And it's Ben who has the lead. It's a close one. 32.4 to 25.8. Uh, Jeremiah, who you taking? I'm going to take Ben. I 
Flex is not very good. This is not news. He doesn't put up a lot of points. And he's running into a team which puts up a lot of points. So I'm not going to be surprised when Ben drops like 260 and Flex has like 210. And this will be the matchup where we look back on it and I'm like, this is exactly what's going to happen in the playoffs. When Flex meets a team of quality, his team just shits the bed. Mm. Uh, I think I'm actually going to agree with you here. Uh, I think it's going to be a close matchup, maybe closer than you projected, but I do think that Ben is the hotter team right now. He's got uh, a lot of things going right for him at the moment, and if he can keep that up, even a, a little bit against Flex, that's going to be beneficial to him, and uh, Flex is knocks lately, so wouldn't be surprised to see him pick up a, a loss here, so I think uh, this is a matchup that Ben can win. Ash and Jamil, two teams very similar but very different at the same time. Uh, they're squaring off this week uh, with Ash, the 4-7 and seven team, having the lead of 67.1 points to 47 for Jamil, the 3-8 three and, uh, and eight team. Uh, Jeremiah, what do you make of this matchup? Well, first, like that segue was poetic. like So different, but yet the same. Which is the same, yet so different. I don't know, but it was great. Um and if we're, you know, going to take the props away from you for that awesome segue, I'll give some props to Ash, who's trying. He has a good team. His bats are really good. He has a lead. And Jamil is self-proclaimed a rebuild, so I just don't think he's going to have the firepower to keep up with Ash. Yeah, I mean, as part of the, the poetic same but different, uh, these two teams have similar records but are clearly heading in different directions. So I would not be surprised uh, to see Jamil sort of fall flat in this one and Ash win because he wants to win uh, and it really benefits him to win a matchup like this one. So I'm taking Ash very easily all the way here. And unfortunately, that's going to sink Jamil a little further, but I I don't think that's going to be a surprise to him by any stretch of the imagination. Probably not. No, he would probably agree. And speaking of matchups between bottom feeders, but a matchup that has a little little something extra on it. It's another edition of the Garth Bowl. We've got Garth McInnes taking on Garth Newton, M versus N, and it is N that has the advantage with 50.5 points to M 19.9. So Newton out to an early lead. I mean, which Garth is going to prove to be the true league dad for this season? What say you? Well, I mean, I think that we have seen the power of childbirth with the Raptors and Fred Van Vliet. And I believe that Garth Newton recently had a child. Perhaps I'm wrong. Or he's going to have a child. So I'm going to go with Garth Newton. He's got the lead. He's got a new daughter, I think. That's enough. That's all you need. Uh, Yeah, you are correct that uh, Garth Newton... Uh, to, uh, pick the perfect time to have a, a second child because right before Father's Day, double the gifts. Very easy win for him. Uh, and I think an easy win in this matchup because Garth M has just completely fallen apart this season. Uh, really not a lot going on for his franchise right now. So uh, I think this should be a, another Newton win and maybe even one that knocks him into the Europa discussion as a, a potential team in that competition. So uh, it should be a, a good one. We always love to see a Garth versus Garth matchup here on the weekly show, and hopefully this is one that can capture our entertainment. I mean, this is a family show. Like, I don't know. I just have to ask. I mean, I say a fair number of curse words, so I hope people aren't listening with children. Okay, so cover their ears, but like Newton needs to just plug his wife 
for eternity and get her to pop out like quintuplets, and then he'll win the title. He'll he'll win the league if his wife pops out five kids at once, no doubt. Um, I wonder how his wife feels about that plan. Uh, Garth Newton. I... Oh, she's a real wife. show. <laughs> she'll do it. Uh, I I sure hope people don't take advice from this show, but now more than ever, Garth Newton, I'm sorry. Those were his words, not mine. But also I don't I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah, like Newton, listen, if you want to win a championship, clearly the managerial skills alone will not get you there. And that's not a slight. I haven't won a title either. I just don't have a wife that I can have have five kids. You have a gift. Just do it. Just tell her, you know what? Two kids is great. We're having seven. Five, six. I mean, John and Kate had eight kids and they got a TV show out of it. Five should at least get you a, a fantasy baseball championship. A Flex Fox title, yeah. Or, or at least four. She got to pop out four because it's four Fs oh, and, in the league titles. Well, but do you have to give all, you, all the kids F names then? No, you know what? I, I don't think so. I think you just need to pop out four. And then, like, the, here's the key, though. You got to get her pregnant so that it's are born right before the championship. Seems to be key. That that could definitely help. Uh, I, I think there is something to be said for childbirth magic. Uh, and speaking of unusual types of magic, it's RKR uh, and his once voodoo magic bash brothers taking on Jeremiah. Wow, you have a matchup this week. Uh, and RKR is, is leading you at the moment, 70.3 points to 49.7 points for yourself. How are you feeling going into this matchup? I'm going to lose because I get shitty teams best weeks. And that's just how it's going this year. I mean, last year when I was on that run, um, it seems like I picked up bad weeks on teams that were good and bad weeks that were on teams that were bad. But this year, it seems like I seem to get teams that uh, want to put up points when they face me. So, I mean, I think RKR is going to win. I mean, I really don't like this new self-deprecating jeremiah because he really took away my opportunity to make this an upset special uh it's not not as fun when we agree on these things but you know the voodoo magic moves in mysterious ways you can't always predict how it's going to carry a team but uh when rkr is taking on jeremiah i know to watch a little bit more carefully and i think that this could be a a matchup where he wins you're sort of you're sort of reeling coming off of a little bit of a tough loss there so RKR can definitely take advantage of that and hit you again while you're down. And yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see him win this one. Probably in a weird way. It's going to be a final score of like 83 to 82. Okay. Yeah, I see it. I mean, we're already there now. Yeah, no points yeah. the rest of this week. Yeah, yeah. I see it. And, and I, no. <laughs> and uh, you know what? RKR is like when this league is done, if it ever finishes, RKR's note in history will be that he ruined the perfect season will not be a title if you will. i i mean i would argue that that was better than a, a championship could be in some ways because i mean shitty teams have won championships before but there's only one guy who can say he saved the the league from jeremiah the league doesn't need saving clearly it's made better ah there's the old jeremiah again did bring it back a little bit uh i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the weekly show uh Jeremiah, it's uh, been a lot of fun recording with you as as always. Uh, do you have any any parting words for us this week? I never know what you want me to say in this segment where you're just like, any parting thoughts? I mean, no, I think I've spoken. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's a really free airtime, but uh, 
you you never know what to think and you never know what's going to happen next in the Flexbox Fantasy Federation. So from all of us right here at Flexbox Broadcasting, good night and good fantasy.